Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, in-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Seahawks Forever. I am Dan Viennes. Audio only on this one. Uh, Doing this for a couple of reasons. One is... As a thank you, an acknowledgement to those of you who continue to download the show and listen to it as an audio podcast, it's it's where it all started. You know, the emphasis has been on building the YouTube channel for most of 2023, and will continue to be. I will always release the audio versions of those shows to all the podcast platforms, but this is where it started, man, when I was just on a refurbished laptop, struggling to process shows and figure out which mic to use and which equipment to use years ago. And for those of you uh, who have been there from day one, shout out to you, listeners of the Dan Cave podcast, and then the Emerald City Sportscast, and then Field Goals, and now Seahawks Forever. Uh, Moving forward, it's been a great year, and I just wanted to just... Go old school. Um, Whichever podcast platform you're listening on, please be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications of new episodes. I I post two to four times a week. Um, I often think about posting more, but, you know, I have other things to do as well. Um, In particular, if you would like to listen to audio episodes without ads, you can do so. You could subscribe through Spotify. Um, and, and right now it's just 99 cents a month. You can get in there and uh, and it'll get rid of all the ads for you. Also, if you want to support me in the show, you can buy me a coffee or a beer. Um, and that link, since it's audio only, I'll put it in the description of the show, but also um, I'll tweet it out too. I'll put those links on there when I tweet um, this episode. Just want to take a look at this game this week. Seahawks coming home, trying to get right after a drubbing in Baltimore. You know, just a debacle against the Ravens. And they come home to Lumen Field in front of the home crowd to face the Washington Commanders. And it's an, it's an interesting Commanders team. Let's just say that, you know, this is one of those games. Let's not kid ourselves at the beginning of the season when we all look at the schedule like we do. And I did it on the show. And we we go game by game and we try to decide which games they're going to win and, and get an idea of, you know, prognosticating a record. This was a win, right? At home against Washington. They were handing things over to Sam Howell this year, the fifth round pick in 2022. New offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy comes over from Kansas City, gets gets a shot to have some autonomy and call plays on his own. This looked like a win. And some of you might still think it does. And, and certainly some of you, from what I can gather, are hoping it does. I've heard this referred many times as um, a get-right game. You know, chance to come home and heal some wounds and 
finally get this offense rolling for the Seahawks. It struggled so much, especially on third down, to find any kind of consistency. Try to get Geno Smith right. There's been a lot of talk this week about him. You know, I did the show a couple of days ago looking at, you know, he and, and Drew Locke and whether it's really as good an idea as some of you might think it is to consider going to the backup. But also the things happening around him and and really Shane Waldron's inability the last couple of weeks to help Geno Smith, to give him outlets, to give, you know, he and Pete talk about wanting to get the ball out quicker, but then you, you watch the All-22 tape and you see a bunch of slow developing downfield routes. Like they're not... They're not giving Geno that safety net. So all of that stuff being considered, plus a defense that we started to think five, six weeks into this thing was really coming together as as one of the better young defenses in the NFC. And now we've seen a three-week trend of that defense getting progressively less effective. And so what are we looking at this week? And as always, got to dive into the numbers, right? I looked at a couple of things. I know I've talked about EPA at times this year. I haven't talked about DVOA. That used to be a number I leaned on heavily the last couple of years, if you have listened to the show. Um, Defensive weighted value over average. So basically, they evaluate every single play that every team executes. And then they take context, down in distance, time of the game, score of the game, where they are in the field, Compare that against historical success rates in those situations and determine if you're better or worse at them. And then they put it together as an overall grade, offense, defense, and total. And just for some perspective, 2012, 13, 14, you know, when the Seahawks Legion of Boom and that defense was dominant, the Seahawks were a perennial Super Bowl contender for those years. They were number one overall in DVOA for the most part. Number one overall in the NFL right now, DVOA-wise, the Baltimore Ravens. We just saw firsthand how good they are. And (laughs) as you look at some of this stuff, I don't know. You tell me at the end of it. You feel better about this game or are you a little weary Commanders are four and five coming off a 20 and seven, uh, 20 to 17 win in New England. Uh, they won their first two. There was a lot of optimism and excitement there. And then they lost three straight. They've split the four games since then. And then, of course, last week at the trade deadline, they trade away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. New ownership there. You know, Daniel Snyder finally out. Lots of talk about how the culture is going to change for the positive. Questions about whether, whether Ron Rivera will be part of that moving forward. Uh, lots of talk about how the new owner is a big fan, big proponent of analytics. And that that drove the decision to trade young and sweat away for draft capital. So lots of changes going on. They're even talking about changing the name again. But for now, just as I get used to calling them the commanders, they are the commanders. Only two common opponents between the two teams. Uh, Washington beat Arizona in week one. 20 to 16. And then they actually lost to the Giants two weeks ago, 14 to 7. You'll see as we get into this, the commanders have been inconsistent, which just makes this this, this game harder to peg. I'm glad I'm not a betting man. 
uh, on offense. Commanders middle of the pack, 17th in the league at 332 yards per game. By comparison, the Seahawks not too far behind them at 311. They're 20th. Their defense, though, they have struggled overall defensively. And these numbers, for the most part, except for last week, keep in mind, include having Chase Young and Montez Sweat. They also have Jonathan Allen up front, like a really talented defensive line. Uh, 28th overall, allowing 369 total yards a game. By comparison, the Hawks have fallen to 25th at 354. Uh, the Commanders defensively are allowing 27.2 points a game. That is second to last in the league. The Seahawks have fallen to 22nd at 21.9. Uh, interesting that that's the spread because the spread in Vegas this week is six points. So let's look at those DVOA numbers now. And these shine a little bit more favorably on the Seahawks. Right now, the commanders are 26th in the league in DVOA overall. And the idea behind DVOA also that they like to present is, is essentially... They use it, they, they have some projection models where they use it to predict expected wins the rest of the year. For example, the Ravens are at about eight wins expected for the rest of the year. And then also the idea that if you play a team above you in DVOA, you're going to be the underdog. If you play a team below you, you're going to be the favorite. That more often than not, you're the better team, in air quotes. Uh, so the commander's 26 overall, 23rd on offense, 29th on defense. Seattle right now, right smack in the middle. They were 10-12 for a while there. They've dropped to 16th. They're 10th on offense and 19th on defense. Let's talk about Sam Howell because that's really where the focus is going to be. Young quarterback, taken in the fifth round in 2022 out of North Carolina. And if you remember, you know, there's that was the year... Seahawks had traded Russell Wilson. So are they looking quarterback in the draft? And some of the guys that were expected to go higher in that draft, Malik Willis, and quarterbacks fell. Kenny Pickett wasn't a great quarterback draft. But Sam Howell was a guy that, that had some ties to Seattle in the mock draft community because he threw the ball downfield really well. We know how much Pete Carroll values the ability to, to throw the deep ball. It was surprising he fell all the way to the fifth round. He's athletic. He had a better uh, second to last year at North Carolina than he did last year. That that hurt his uh, hurt his draft stock a little bit. If I recall, I think there was he was banged up a little bit too. Uh, but they committed to him this offseason. Didn't go out and acquire anyone else. They said, we believe in this guy. They let him play at the end of last year. And for the most part, you can you can see the skills. Right now, he's second in the NFL at almost 2,500 yards passing. He has 14 touchdowns. That's sixth in the league. 66% completions. His passer rating is 89.3 by comparison. Geno is at 86.4 right now. He also has nine interceptions. That's tied for the lead in the NFL. It's a pretty, pretty good company there, though. You know, everybody's beating up on Geno for the turnovers lately. He's got seven. That puts him at six or seventh in the league. 
Josh Allen has nine. He's tied with with how a couple guys named Mahomes and Hertz have eight each. And uh, Tuatunga Viola has seven. Uh, so he's turned the ball over. Four of those came in a game against Buffalo. Um, this team, even without Young and Sweat, and here's the concern this week. They may be better than some of you think they are. They've played the Eagles twice. And they've they've given the Eagles everything they could handle twice. In week four, they lost in overtime by three. And then two weeks ago, in a shootout, they lost 38 to 31. In that game, Sam Howell threw for just under 400 yards and four touchdowns against the Eagles. So we've seen a four touchdown game from, from him against Philly. We've seen a four interception game against him or against Buffalo from him. Uh, he's got a bunch of weapons there too, man. This is where they're really explosive. This is where they get a little scary is they, they can throw some chunk plays at you. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, really athletic tight end. Antonio Gibson, receiving running back. Those five dudes have 11 touchdowns between them. And when you watch, I put on some of the All-22 from from last week against New England, and I had some flashbacks kind of reminding me of prime Dennis Erickson, at least at the college college level, where in the first two drives alone, I think I saw the enemy call plays that 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 basically took shots at every level of the field, really forcing the Patriots to have to cover vertically and horizontally. Right? Short, intermediate, long, left hash, center of the field, right hash. Really trying to stress that defense and stretch them out. Uh, Running the football, Brian Robinson's the key there, the former Alabama running back. Uh, He's kind of, well, not kind of, he's become the guy there where Gibson is more of the third down pass catching back. Robinson, 19th in the league right now, 447 yards rushing. He's got five touchdowns to go with it. Uh, The team as a whole, though, just 90 yards a game. It's 26th in the league. Uh, let's talk about their pass rush, and then we're going to go to what I think is the key to the game. Before I do that, tuck that away. Ask yourself, what do I think Dan might think the key to the game is? And it's probably not going to surprise any of you. So they trade away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And you look at their sack numbers now. I looked them up. I was surprised to see they have 25 sacks. 12th in the league. Seahawks are 8th with 27. But 11 and a half of those came from Sweat and Young. So they trade those almost, well, a third. A little over a third, right? I'm so good at math. Uh, Last week against the Patriots, zero sacks on Mac Jones. A guy who doesn't run around a lot. A guy who stands in the pocket. Seahawks are six-point favorites, as I mentioned in this one. Uh, Very confident team coming in. 
I'm going to pull this up and read this quote from Eric Bieniemy. Uh, this is what he had to say. And some people have, have taken this slightly out of context or, or maybe given it a little bit more weight than I think the tone really suggests. Bieniemy says, we have to go out and execute our offense better than they execute their defense. They're not a defense that's going to cause any confusion because they're going to play straight up and try to beat you at their best. Our job is to make sure that we can go out and do what we do best. And uh, predictably, fans on Twitter have you know, suggested that that's bulletin board material, that he's taking a shot at the Seattle defense for calling him basic and simplistic. And haven't we heard that for 14 years under Pete Carroll? That's what we've always heard. Those, those great defenses, Pete would talk about it outwardly. We're not exotic. We line up. We're assignment-based. We're about execution, but they just had better players than everybody else did. Also not true. That's the other thing. You know, immediately saw a lot of pushback on Twitter from some of the analytics guys uh, who say that's simply not true, that they do stunt more, that they do disguise coverages a little bit more than they used to with this current group. Uh, key to the game for me, it's it's third downs, right? It's got to be the third downs. It just continues to plague the Seahawks, and I'm not so sure it, it looks great that they're going to bounce back this week. Washington defense pretty solid on third downs right now. They're 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 in the middle of the pack, 16th in the league. Holding teams to 39.5% success rate on third down. Well, that's not great for the Seahawks who sit. I'm surprised that they're not dead last. They're not. They're 30th. Converting only 31.9% of their third downs. Uh, Seahawks defense also, and this may be the equalizer a little bit. Seahawks defense is also 30th in the league at stopping third downs. They've allowed 45% conversions on third down. But the Washington offense hasn't been that much better than Seattle's. 36% success rate on third downs. Um, that puts them 24th in the league. However, they're coming off a game where they were 9 out of 17. It's better than 50% better in league average. And that defense, even without Sweat and Young and without sacking the quarterback, held New England, in New England, to three out of 12. And that allowed them, they didn't really have the explosive offensive performance. They, they ran for about 100. They threw for about 220. But they controlled the football for 37 minutes winning the time of possession battle, almost a two-to-one edge over the Patriots. So the commanders come in here confident, excited about their young quarterback, a guy that's getting better every week. It's been six weeks since he had that four-interception game. Confident and with zero pressure. None. 
new owner, young quarterback, no heightened expectations. And they just traded away their two biggest name defensive stars. They're not punting. They're not tanking, but there's no pressure. So how how is this Seattle team going to respond? That's what it comes down to. You know, I'm I'm surprised we haven't heard that cliche yet this week, or maybe we have, and I haven't. I just haven't seen it. Um, You hear it a lot in college football. Shoot, you hear it in high school football. We're, We're not worried about the opponent. We're just worried about us. We're not preparing for the opponent. We're just preparing our stuff, focusing on us. Like this is both these next two weeks, going to the Rams next week as well. Don't get comfortable thinking we're locked in at seven and three, and then we get into that gauntlet. That's the hope. Talked about it on the show a couple of days ago. The hope is you get some things fixed. You get back to where that defense is stopping the run again. With the additional Leonard Williams and another week of Frank Clark, you're getting after the passer. Good news today on the injury front, Derek Hall, uh, Fully fully practiced yesterday. He's good to go on Sunday. It didn't look good with that shoulder when he came out against the Ravens. There's an opportunity for them to get right. But I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. A, a game like that makes you question everything, doesn't it? Remember the last time the Washington, as the Redskins then came in to what was then Quest Field. It's been six years, 2017. Remember that game? It was raining. Seahawks were favored in that game. Pretty much had them down the whole game. It was a low-scoring game. And then in the driving rain, late in the game, less than two minutes left, do you remember that throw by Kirk Cousins? One throw. If I remember right, as he's getting blasted, makes a throw down the right sideline, puts him in position. They end up scoring on a one-yard touchdown run, and they and they steal a win. It, it was kind of reminiscent of NCAA tournament basketball game, you know, where the underdog just hangs around, hangs around, hits a three at the end, steals a win. I don't even. I don't even want to think about what our conversation is going to be next week. If, if the Seahawks don't win this game. Um, but there is an opportunity. We hear Pete Carroll talk about all the time. There is an opportunity to get right. If you come out this week and play clean. Consistently move the football. Gino has a clean game. Throws a couple touchdowns. The running game gets more consistent with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. The defense, that run defense comes back. Maybe they pick off a ball or two. Washington has a couple of drives. Howell shows shows that skill set. But in the end, you know, the Seahawks come out with a solid win. And suddenly, you exhale a little bit. And then we can start talking about how realistic it is for this team to make a playoff run 
in this division and in this conference, right? Uh, elsewhere around the division this week, some interesting stuff going on. Rams are on a bye and they signed Carson Wentz. They signed Carson Wentz because Matthew Stafford's hurt, obviously, that thumb injury. And then they release Brett Rippon, who started the last two games for them. And the Seahawks sign Rippon to their practice squad today. I, I haven't believed for quite a while in the idea of, you know, let's sign a guy that was recently cut by that team because we can get some intel. And there's another conversation to be had about, is Brett Rippon really the best choice on the practice squad? Like, I tweeted out today, disappointing that Holton Ehlers, you know, that they've given up on the idea of developing him, thought he had some upside. But it just speaks to, I, I've, I'm done criticizing the organization for failing to do that because I just think, I think it's a lead wide, league-wide problem. With the practice restrictions and the lack of reps, you just can't. You can't develop a third quarterback. It's really, really tough to. There are cases. Obviously, Brock Purdy started last season as the third quarterback in San Francisco, right? And that turned out pretty well. But it's rare. It just, the opportunity just isn't there. So they're in a bind. They signed Carson Wentz, who could be the guy. We could be facing Carson Wentz in LA next week. Uh, and then Kyler Murray is back for the Arizona Cardinals. Wasn't sure if they were going to do this. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see that story unfold the rest of this year. How does he play? How does that team perform? What's the future for him and them together? They travel to Atlanta, a team that has a little bit of a quarterback controversy on their on their own hands. And then the 49ers come back off a bye. This is a really sneaky, interesting game. And they travel to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars, a team that we know how good they can be on offense and all that all the weapons they have. This will be our first look at the 49ers with Chase Young. Coming off three straight losses and all the issues and criticism of Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator there and Kyle Shanahan talking, promising change and adjustments. Imagine the 49ers come, coming off a bye, go, go drop one in Jacksonville to a team very capable of beating them in the Jaguars. Imagine the narrative in the Bay Area if that happens. Uh, to me, the most intriguing game of the week in the league, though, the Seahawks' last two opponents, the Cleveland Browns, travel to Baltimore. So now you have so many storylines here. You know, Deshaun Watson finally comes back, that whole mysterious shoulder injury with him, plays well last week. They head in there, the number one and number two defenses in the league. You know, Seahawks have faced these two teams the last two weeks. I think it'll it'll. It'll tell us a lot about the Ravens. Are they the best team in the AFC? Are they the best team in the NFL? Also give us a little bit more evidence, you know, with each week finding out about finding out about the Seahawks team and comparative scores and, and common opponents and things like that. They, it's not the only thing that matters, but it doesn't not matter. It gives us clues, right? Uh, thanks for joining me on this one. Audio only. Again, if you want to subscribe on Spotify, it's 99 cents a month right now. And then you wouldn't have any ads. And uh, 
if there's enough support, I may continue doing this. I may do one audio only show a week. And here's another little teaser. I could do that and make it available only to subscribers. Just a little preview. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. I am Dan. Thank you for listening to the show. Also, though, head over to the YouTube page, Seahawks Forever with Dan Viennes. Subscribe to that so you get my game reactions and uh, and all my analysis during the week. I've got a couple of cool guests lined up. I haven't done guests the last couple of weeks because we've just had so much to talk about. Jeff Simmons of Real Hawk Talk is going to join me next week. Really excited to catch up with him. Next week is essentially mid-season. You know, it doesn't work out perfectly mathematically anymore, but I'm also going to do a mid-season mock draft next week. We'll take our first look at what the Seahawks might do in the draft next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, forever and always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.